This morning, I'm going to continue the series that we called Filled. We're calling Filled. It's about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And Mike, I thought, did a fantastic job last week setting us up for this morning's talk. This morning, specifically, we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit as it relates to adoption. So I've been telling people, what am I teaching on? Adoption. And that's kind of the main theme, adoption, okay? Adoption um, as sons and daughters of God. And so I titled the message this. Therefore, the adoption is granted, so he is yours, and you are his forever and ever. That's the title of the message. That's kind of the heart of the message. Romans 8, 14 through 17, kind of our theme passage here. This is what it says. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you can open it up. We have copies in the back, and we love giving away, away Bibles. So pick one up if you don't have one here at college. Grab one on the way out. We always or usually show slides up here with, with uh, the verses. Okay, here's what the Apostle Paul says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let me pray. Pray along with me. I want to ask that God speaks to all of us here. Father God, this morning, um, you know, what I always think, God, on Sunday mornings when we gather here as a church, Lord, just what comes across my mind is that we get a chance to just calm ourselves for 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, some of us, perhaps, God, it's the only 30 minutes we can slow down this much. God, would you speak to us in this in this time where we can sit and listen from your word? God, would you use the words I've prepared um, to appropriately bless every person here? God, I do ask that um, that you would bless people. We know that you love people, and you love us so much you want to adopt everybody. God, I pray that we would hear from you. Those of us that need conviction, you'd convict of us. Convict us. Those of us that need strengthening, strengthen us, God. Those of us that need something else, Lord, would you meet the need of the moment according to your goodness? We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. A couple of thoughts here. We all, all of us here, were either under the law, used to be under the law, or we still are currently under the law. And either, all of us here, were either, these are the two categories of us, either we were in need of redemption, okay, from under the law, or we still are currently in need of redemption from the law. And this law is a law of sin and death. It's the law of sin and death that's being held against us or is being, has us held and we all have needed a Savior or still need a Savior. And the reality is we actually all need a Savior. There's a lot that can be said in that. We can unpack it for days. I'm not going to. I hope that makes sense. All of us, I hate to put you in a box, but all of us are here this morning and we're going, okay, these are the two Categories of people, all of us fall into these categories. And so that's where we find ourselves. 
of all the things about the passage I just said. Really, really simply, verse 14, a Christian is someone who is led by the Spirit of God, which signifies they are sons and daughters of God. Okay, a Christian is someone who is led by the Spirit of God. Really simply, he's just saying, if you have the Spirit of God, you're a Christian, and you are led by him. It's evident. Mike talked about this last week, that our lives display it. it sh- our lives show that we are followers of Christ. Okay? Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this. Same man, Apostle Paul writing this. But when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Sounds familiar, right? Sounds like the Romans verse from earlier. Okay, it's really similar. Same person speaking the very similar language. Okay. So when the time was right, God sent Jesus to live a sinless life, die a violent death, and raise them from the dead to offer life to anyone who would believe. Anyone who would believe on him as Lord and as Savior. And if you've believed in him, in your heart, that Jesus was raised from the dead after living a sinless life on earth and dying for your sins and confessed with your mouth that he is Lord of your life, then the Bible says you are saved. You are redeemed. You have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of you. And for purposes of this morning, adoption, you've been adopted into his family. So back to adoption. Adoption carries with it the connotation, the idea, the denotation, the understanding that we are not all God's children. Not every person is naturally God's. And I got to tell you, that's hard for me to say, and I'm imagining it would be hard to hear. If you haven't heard that before, that could be hard to hear. It's hard to say, as, even as a pastor or someone that follows Christ, I, I just say, that's a tough teaching. Not everybody is God's. I mean, to be sure, yes, in some way, God's created all people. We're all made in his image. The Bible te- te- uh, teaches us this. And so, Uh, In some ways, yes, we could all say we're his, we're his masterpiece, but we're not all his children. There's something happening that makes us children, and it's called adoption. So adoption carries with it the understanding that we, at one point, some of us, were not a part of God's family. You and I, those of us in Christ, those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, are adopted in from a foreign land, basically, another family, a different culture. And anyone who comes to faith, if you've come to faith in Christ, you can testify to that. You can say, oh yeah, there is a difference. The language is different. You might look different. There is a wide gap between people and God. A wide gap. And it's, the gap is larger than any ideological difference on this campus. So you've been here long enough, even if you've been here two weeks, think about the people you've met. Have you met people that you would say, gosh, they are really different than each other. They think differently. I mean, like Republican, Democrat, or, you know, senior or, or freshman, or other, other ideolo- 
ideologies. Can you, can you reason with that? Right? People are different. We think differently. We get that. But listen, no difference on this campus is, is bigger than the difference between God and mankind. In terms of what we're talking about today, the, the amount of uh, how holy God is and how set apart he is with people, just an, a gap that's super wide, really, really wide. And so outside of the saving grace of God, not only are we vastly different, here's a, another tough talk, but we are objects of wrath. Objects of wrath. So people, people vastly different than God and also under wrath. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, the same person, the Apostle Paul, using similar language, makes this point. And you talking to these Christians, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in once you once, once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of, there's that family language, sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived once, or all, all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, the natural children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And this is, when I read that this week, I was thinking, here's the good news. God, he goes after these people. This is who God chooses to adopt. He goes after the people that were formerly objects of wrath. He goes after those of us that, that just, they don't, we don't, might not have it all together. You, you probably were running far from God. And, and you think about it, you go, man, I, don't, I bet there's not somebody here today that if you really thought about it, would say, in, with all honesty, you haven't wanted God. Like, you might say, yeah, I know, even if you're a follower of Christ, you might say, I don't always want God. I don't always want his ways. I think, if I'm honest, I mean, I'm certainly that way. But God chooses these people. And I pictured him going into like an orphanage or going into, you know, a foster situation in our country. And he's looking. He's not looking for the kid that has it all together. Right? He's not looking for the one that goes, oh, I really want that. I really, you know, I look good. I've got, I smell good. You know, I've got the best clothes on for an orphan. No, he's looking for who wants him. He's going in. He's going, I love all these people. You might be walking away from God. God still pursues. So what is the, the words here, the language? That we were by nature children of wrath, sons of disobedience, but instead, back to Romans 8, Christ in Christ we are given a spirit of adoption. And adoption means it wasn't natural so we're not naturally gods, but we have been redeemed by Jesus, and we're legally changed into one of his children. And a friend of mine, friends of mine, <clears throat> a couple years ago, adopted a little boy. They named him John after they adopted him. They were married for a few years, couldn't have kids, and started fostering children. And uh, I was talking to them recently, and I got on their blog, and I was reading about the process of adopting somebody. I, I have three kids of my own, but we haven't adopted children. Good friends of mine did. 
<clears throat> I thought I would borrow from their story. And as I went to the blog, I just pulled out straight from their blog, and I want to read you some excerpts from it, from it. This is where the title comes from. This is the opening line of their blog, the day they adopted their son, John. Therefore, the adoption is granted, so he is yours, and you are his forever and ever. And with the judge's words, little guy, because I couldn't call him anything online until then, little guy had a daddy and mommy. No longer just foster parents, but a forever daddy and mommy. And we had a son. Praise Jesus. Meet our son. Meet little guy. We like to call him, so we had his name legally changed, John Calvin Venable. And I loved reading those words about my friends. The words of the judge that day are just perfect for our story. They're just perfect. If adopted by God, if adopted by God, I can hear, like the judge just said there, that quote from the judge, I picture all of heaven, all of heaven saying that line, the adoption is granted. Here's the news. The adoption is granted. He is yours and you are his forever and ever. And I just picture there's an eruption. If you go to their blog, there's like 20 pictures of all these people sitting in the courtroom just celebrating with them when they adopted their son. And in many ways, that's the heart of the message for today. The adoption is granted. So he is yours, and you are his forever and ever. Through the glorious love, grace, and mercy of God the Father and the work of the Son on the cross, we are given the Holy Spirit, who is a spirit of adoption, into the family of God. And Paul contrasts this work of the Holy Spirit to the old spirit, the natural spirit, which is a spirit of slavery. And Mike talked about this. He, if you were here, remember the tape that taped him up? And what did he say about sin? What did he say about the old? He didn't use this language, but he was thinking this. The old uh, spirit, the spirit of sin, the spirit of slavery. What does it do? It lies to you. It says, oh, I promise you freedom. But what it's really doing is binding you up. It promises one way. You could do anything, but it's not true. It's holding on to you. And Paul's using this language for a purpose. He's saying the old way is a spirit of slavery. You were just, you couldn't help it. You had to do what the bad master said. But now there's a spirit of adoption. And I just thought, I, you can't help but think, or at least I can't help but think, about slavery in our country decades ago. And I just pictured that what are the differences there I mean, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. When you think about slavery, the spirit of slavery, like kind of what embodies slavery is condemnation, ridicule, shame, and mocking. I just picture like the, the, uh, a person that maybe like stumbles, you know, like maybe they're bringing some food and they stumble. And as they fall, they're just so afraid. They're so afraid they might get slapped or thrown out, right? Like there's no, there's no stability there's no, like, uh, comfort. You're just so afraid all the time. Well, you mess up. You take a wrong move. You take the wrong step. You're, you're thrown out. You might be put out in the cold or pushed out into the heat. There's oppressiveness and harshness. Again, it's just erratic. I just picture you're just at the mercy of the bad person in charge. The mercy. Whatever they want to do, they'll do it to you. 
that just strikes fear in me. The spirit of adoption, on co- in contrast, is welcoming and enthusiastic for your good. Just picture my, my friends adopting John. They're, oh, man, we can't wait to get him in our family. We love this kid. We want him in. There's stability and solidness. I, mean, I think I'm a pretty good dad. I think, gosh, with my kids, I always want them to know there's nothing they can do that's going to cause me to not love them. Nothing. I just want them to know, you make a mistake, well, it's fine. Let's get going. Let's figure it out. But we're together. That's not going to change. It's stable. It's solid. It's life-giving and kind. There's protection and help. And I just think, again, protection, rather than just being cast out, like slaves, just cast out. Whatever. If they don't need you anymore, you're done. But in a family, there's protection. As, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us. This is what the Apostle Paul is getting at. This is what we're talking about this these couple of weeks here at Cornerstone, and he's living in us, and he is a spirit of adoption, and we are his children. And as Paul wants us to be sure that the Holy Spirit, Paul wants us to be sure of this, the Holy Spirit in you testifies to all the world, to everyone else on this campus, to everyone in this room, testifies to all of heaven, to all of hell, and to even ourselves that we are truly God's children. That's one of the things he does. He's just confirming it, affirming it. He's there. Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And I just, oh man, there is, this is no ordinary witness. Okay? This is a job that needs like the biggest gun. You need the, you need the, the, the person with the most integrity to give, to give this witness. So God doesn't leave this witness up to the weak or the lowly. I mean, there's, there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake. He wants you to know. He's going to affirm it himself. And why? Because God's name's at stake. God's character is at stake. God's promises are at stake. Yes, you're even, even your life is at stake. That The Holy Spirit himself, he would bear witness himself. He's not going to leave it up to someone else. The Spirit himself testifies, bears witness with our spirit, your spirit if you're in Christ, that we are God's children. How does he do this? How does he do this? I think verse 17 gives us a clue. He does this as we go through trials. As we go through trials, he affirms it. He bears witness. Look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs, Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And here's here's how it works. If we suffer with him and endure trials, we gain perseverance, which leads to character, which leads to hope. That's another verse in the scriptures. And all the while, the spirit of God is with us. All the while, as you're going through these things, he's with us and in us, bearing witness that we are his. He's affirming it, even through hardship. You see, trials and sufferings, what Paul is getting at here, they're opportunities for the child of God to cry out by the spirit of adoption, the spirit of God, Abba, Father, Daddy, help. God, you're my father. I need your help. Daddy, I need you. Daddy, make your will known and do what is best. Do something. Show up. I'm yours. 
And I think that one of the best examples, maybe the best example, is found in Mark 14. It's where Jesus is talking right before he goes to the cross. He's in the garden with some disciples, and he says this. This is Jesus speaking. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, here's the same language, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, and yet not what, yet not what I will, but what you will. Cornerstone. Friends, today, has your soul been very sorrowful, even to death? Where it just feels like, gosh, I'm dying. I'm really hurting. Have you felt so pressed in from all sides that maybe you fear you won't make it? Have you suffered loss or heartache or disappointment that you question if God is good? He can't can't be good. Have you been so afraid of something you need assurance but can't seem to find any? Those are the times when the Holy Spirit living in you bears witness to you that you're God's child. And in strength, and I've, I've been walking with God for a long time, I'd say often in quietness, he reminds you to call out, Abba, Father, cry out. Cry out. I just, I just hear him saying that, Daddy, you're my father. Please come through for me. And I felt this recently. I think a lot of you, some of you know, I lost my mother about a month ago. She died uh, July 22nd. And honestly, I've been sick in the heart missing her. I'm just sick. Like in ways that I'd only heard of before. And I thought, this really hurts. And I've felt lost and hurting and fearful that if somebody just looks at me the wrong way, I might just break down and cry. Like, sorry if I've done that with you. <laughs> it's just like, it's here. You talk to me, like, give me a weird look, and I'm, I might lose it. And I've known in this time the heart of my Father God through the witness of his Spirit in me. The same Spirit he gave me when I received him and became his son. The Spirit which came to me as an adopted son, and he's been testifying to my Spirit ever since. Over and over, over and over. I also want to say this about the Holy Spirit, Spirit's witness, because he need not only testify when things are suffering or difficult, because I found such joy in knowing my Heavenly Father sees me doing really cool things too, fun things, sometimes ordinary things. And I was reminded of this a couple of weeks ago. I was teaching my daughter how to ride her bike. She's eight years old. We were a little late to that game. Um, it's okay. Uh, this summer, she wanted to learn how to ride her bike. So a couple weeks ago, I took her outside, and she, this is our little track. She rides on the sidewalk across the street. She walks, uh, rides about three to four houses down, turns up into the driveway, back down the driveway, down to the, makes the turn, the sharp turn onto the sidewalk, back to our house, and stops. She said, what I, how did I do? Okay, that's, that's the circuit. I mean, it's like two minutes, Okay. She stops. We've been practicing, practicing, trying to build up to get her on the road, on the trails, okay? Um, 
So a couple of weeks ago, I was pulling some weeds in the, in the yard. She said, Daddy, watch me do the turn. Watch me do the turn. I said, okay. So I'm pulling weeds and I'm watching. She rides. She makes the turn. She comes back down. And she glances up. But I was looking at her, but she didn't catch eyes with me. Okay. So she makes the turn, does it well, comes back to the house, stops, and goes, Daddy, from across the street, Daddy, you didn't see me. You didn't watch. And I said, Kelsey, I watched you. I saw that. That was a great turn. Good job. She goes, you didn't see me. I said, okay, Kelsey, do it again. Daddy's going to watch. And I just put everything down. I stood there and just made sure that she caught my eyes, you know, saw me go all the way. I saw her go all the way. What did she want that time? at that time? She wanted a witness. She wanted somebody to see her and say, yeah, I see you. You're mine. I delight in that, that little turn. I see you. She wanted to know that. And that moment, it hit me, and I thought of this verse, spirit of adoption. She's my child, and she wants to know her daddy sees her. And if you know Jesus, you are God's child, and we can cry out to our father, our daddy, watch me. Dad, watch. Watch. Watch me ride my bike, dad. Watch me play my instrument, dad. Watch me go to class tomorrow, dad. I'm going to go to class, but can we walk that extra route? I want to see that. I want you to see things. with me. Watch me hang with my friends. Watch me play and watch me run and watch me sit and watch me hang out. Will you keep your eyes on me? I'm just seeing that through my kids. One last thing from my friends and their story of adopting John. Adopting John. If you read further in the blog, this is what she wrote. <clears throat> Here we are, happy and giddy parents, overjoyed to have our son. Adopting John has helped me believe more deeply that God loves me and is pleased to have me as his daughter. I've read his words many times, never fully accepting that it was his pleasure to choose me and adopt me through Christ. Instead, I thought he did it because he is good, nice, and gracious. She is. But now, I better understand the truth. It was my absolute pleasure to adopt John. I didn't do it to be nice or because it's a good thing to do. I love him, and I am pleased to be his mom. What a beautiful taste of the Lord's love. Cornerstone, I plead with you, if you know Jesus, cry out to God, your father, this week. Cry out to him. You have a spirit of adoption in you that through his spirit allows you to cry out, Abba, Father, and tell him, thank you for adopting me. Thank you for going into that orphanage of my house, of my life, and picking me out. If you don't know God, as if you don't know that you're God's child, you just have questions. Ask someone here. Ask someone for help. The Holy Spirit of God will testify with your spirit if you are adopted. He will do that. That's one of the roles he's doing. The corner leaders and staff, one our pastors, we love talking to people about how to, be, uh, how to know God, how to be a part of his family. And I just tell you, please, um, I just plead with you, uh, I don't know where you're at. I know I'm confident of this. We're all, you know, we walk in here, and every person's probably in a little bit different place. 
right? I mean, that's just reasonable. Uh, so wherever you're at this morning, spiritually, I, I want to just ask you or tell you, take the next step. I, I plead with you to do that. If you're a follower of Christ, cry out through a spirit of adoption. Thank you, Father. If you don't know him, cry out for help. I, I really believe this. I just pictured God walking through orphanages and foster homes, and he's not looking for the best kid. He just wants to, God, he wants to adopt people. He's going, I want you. I am pleased to have you. Will you come to me? Will you be a part of my family? I believe he's asking people to do that. So let me pray. We're going to be done this morning for the, for the talk. We have uh, communion coming up in just a few minutes as well. So uh, you can go ahead and stand. Father, it's, um, it's not lightly that I use that word father this morning. Uh, just knowing what your heart for us is and that you, God, you are pleased to be called uh, my father, our father. Would you, God, uh, again, just seal through the power of your spirit, would you seal on every heart here the words that you want us to take from here. God, would you give us life this week, life in your name, where we can live wholeheartedly, enjoying things, enjoying each other, pressing into you and knowing more of your heart for us. I just pictured Kelsey, my eight-year-old. She wants me to see her. She wants me to know her really well. God, we ask you for the similar gift. God, would you be that father to us? Um, and every person here, Lord, I pray that they'd walk away blessed. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.